The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter, iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim, your favorite Korean here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Genesis Open from Riviera Country Club. As usual, I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Tambellini. Tyler, how you doing? I'm good, Kenny. How's it going this week, buddy? Yeah, everything's good, man. Uh, this past week was a pretty nice tournament. You saw with Phil and uh, uh, Paul Casey going down to the wire with a Monday finish. Um you know, Phil doing his thing, man. I mean, like he you did know, two wins in a year, pretty impressive. The guy's coming back, you know, lose the caddy, no wins in a few years. Finally gets his win in Mexico last year. Re- uh, comes back uh, about a year later, wins again at 48, 49 years old almost. This guy is playing really, really well. Um, pretty impressive stuff. I mean, everyone thought that the 50 win plateau by him wasn't gonna wasn't gonna happen, but he's at 44 now. There's a shot. I mean, it looks like the way he's playing, he's got a couple of years left. What did you think about the tournament this week? I thought it was good. I hate Monday finishes for a couple of reasons I'll go into. But, I, I mean, for Phil, first of all, 44 wins and 500 starts, I think, was the stat. And that's pretty in, that's pretty insane on an overall career basis. So, you know, good for him. Uh, classic Phil, you know, he wins now. The year that the U.S. Open that he needs to complete it is there. So, uh, highly unlikely. I'm sure he's going to screw us all at the U.S. Open when they put him out at like 8,900 and everyone gets on him and then uh, he doesn't end up coming through for us. Uh, Paul Casey, you know, I know Mayo and Feinberg joke about, you know, little Ricky, big Ricky. I mean, Paul Casey's old Ricky. This guy is the same guy <laughs> every Sunday. He I cannot know, close. Man. We knew it going in. I think everybody was on it with the Mickelson over Casey. Uh, big bet, easy bet to win there. That Casey just fell apart. Uh, the, the banter between them was kind of funny on Sunday. I actually stepped out because I knew it was going to go to Monday finish. And then I started seeing on Twitter that it's not it, – maybe it's not. And then I was like, what the hell? It's going to stick with – they're going to go through in the dark like this? But it was just classic Phil again trying to sell him on it. So got the video footage from some of the boys and laughed my ass off as Phil tries to sell him. You know, if I just do this and we just get through 17, you let me tee off on 18, then you can close it. It's like, Phil, just settle down, buddy. But in the end, he got it done today. That was awesome. Um, And then not much else. I mean, the Monday finish sucks because it pushes back odds and and certain guys don't get in the pool. DraftKings actually released their stuff a little bit early. uh, And I'll talk about a guy later on that I've got in my bets. But, um, yeah, other than that, it is what it is. I'm excited for this week. Finally get back. Get out of these course rotations. Get out of these pro-ams. I hate watching the amateurs play. It's probably the worst part of that week. Um, but overall, not a terrible week. Lost a little bit of coin myself, 
But you had a pretty good week, buddy. And uh, we'll talk about Listener League later. But you had a good Sunday going there. How did it finish up for you? Yeah, I had a good week. Before we get into that, let's talk about Phil. Like I was thinking when he was trying to get when he was trying to play in the dark right there. I was I was hoping he'd call like a legend of Bagger Vance and tell everyone to like pull their cars up, you know, <laughs> to the 18th hole <laughs> and on. put their headlights on or some shit. Like it was Matt Damon or something yeah. like that, you know. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean that was some crazy shit by Phil right there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a good week for me. I mean, it was my best week of the year. Uh, I had a hundred percent return on investment, almost a hundred percent. Like I put in four hundred dollars, I won like three eight seven eighty total. So I won. I had three hundred eighty dollars worth of profit, but the, it was probably the most tilting week for me of the year. Uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, I was up like thousands. Like at one point in time, I was winning Mayo's tournament. Like late Saturday afternoon, I was in first place to the list Mayo's listener league. Um, I was like top twenty in the twelve dollar Albatross single entry. Uh, I was top thirty in the three dollar uh, twenty max. Um, and I was first in the listener league. Uh, I w- had a good lineup in the dog leg as well. Uh, and so, like, you know, I was up a shit ton Saturday. And then fucking Jordan Spieth, you know, with those two doubles, the two snap hooks on those last five holes. Um, and, you know, that 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 dropped me a bunch, you know, because I had, all of my lineups had Spieth in it. And so that was the issue. And so Sunday came, and I'm thinking, okay, I still got a chance. Spieth needs to do well. But, like, all my golfers just – fell apart on Sunday. It was still, I finished like 40th in Mayo's league, which is still a, a pretty good penny. Um, you know, I, I finished like, I think I dropped like 150 in the, in the Albatross. I was outside of the top 150 and a $3 as well. And I dropped a second in the listener league. So really, really tilting Sunday afternoon. I'm watching happy Gilmore in the background on TV. It's on a, it's on golf channel right now while we're recording this pod. And, uh, all I could think of was like Sunday. I was I wanted to go to my happy place because yeah. I was so I was so angry about what was going on. And of course, my happy place is you know the same place I was. It's just you know a glass of Crown Royal and the vape pen in my right hand. That, that, that was yeah. going to be my that was going to be my happy place. That, and, and, and it helped a little bit, but it still didn't ease the pain that much. But overall, good. Go ahead. I want to see the video of you rolling around with the toy horse, doing the little gallop with a with a glass of Crown Royal in one hand and puffing in the other. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, uh, you know, and the thing is, like, cash game was good. Uh, hopefully, you guys got on Twitter because like Cantley did withdraw. He was one of my cash game cornerstones last week. Yeah, and um, he withdrew, and I put Casey. I substituted Casey for um, Cantley. Still can't get over the three or four bug. Um, Nick Watney didn't do that well. Uh, he sort of, you know, shit the bed, but the other three guys did okay. And then I had Knox and Streelman, uh, as my other two cash game corner, my other two cash lineup picks. So, I mean, it was a really solid lineup. I was in the top, like 1% of every double up that I was in. So it was, it was a strong week. It was just super frustrating. Uh, but that's DFS, you know, I mean, like things can change within one hole, uh, because all the payouts of these tournaments are so top heavy. You know what I'm saying? So if you're up there and somebody fucks up, I mean, you're going to be dropping down a bunch. And that, that, that always sucks. But I can't complain. You know, uh, you know, my what fourth four out of five winning weeks for the season, which is pretty good. I can't really, you know, be angry at that. But I just thought that it was going to be a bigger weekend. All right. So uh, we, 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 we figure out that. let's move on to uh, the Listener League this week. Let me pull it up here for a second. Um, I came in second, of course, in the listener league because, you know, God hates me. And um, <laughs> this is the fourth time I've come in second in the listener league. I never have a win. The only person, Brad won once. And it was like the second to last week he was on the show. So uh, we at least we have one winner, uh, the host that has been a winner. But it's super frustrating. But the winner of the, the listener league this year, this week was uh, Cow Doc 87 Maybe he's a cow doctor. I don't know. But at CalDoc87, we had 513 points total. I had 511.5, and I wanted to murder everybody. And so uh, <laughs> first he started off with Rafael Cabrera, RCB, um, at um, 17% owned, uh, tied for 22nd. He had Paul Casey, um, you know, second place, almost 25% owned. Uh, he had Chez, which was um, 20, 21.5% owned, finished in 38th. Uh, Lucas Glover, who came back, we talked about him last week. He was definitely uh, a rebound candidate, and he played well. Eleven percent owned, 
93 points. Uh, Trey Mullinax, um, he has 9.5% owned. Uh, he, he finished in 22nd place. I'm, I'm a little pissed off that he withdrew this week, but he's been playing a lot because the guy's just been a top 25 machine here for the last month or so. And he had Nate Lashley uh, at 6% owned who finished in 45th. So you got 6-6 six six through on a week where it was tough to get 6-6 six six through. I think only four or five in the listener league got it. Uh, I was one of them, of course. So, again, fuck me. And uh, what do you think about the lineup? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, fuck you. It sucks. I know. But, uh, you know, good good overall. I like the setup of the lineup. It's, we talked about it. I think it was last week I talked about this setup of ownership. But uh, he's got the two guys, you know, the chalk guys and Casey and Reeve over 20. Then he's got a couple guys sort of in the middle with, with RCB and Lucas Glover. And then he's got two low-owned guys or lower-owned sub-10% in Lashley and Mullinex. So unique lineup. You needed 6-6, six six, which was tough. Uh, Shout-out Cowdoc87. Might be uh, – he'd be just he, – he's old enough to be a cow doctor, so we could give it to him. But we'll see him in the in the three-man this week, which you took down the three-man this week. That's another win for you there. I did take down the three-man uh, betting-wise this week too. A good lineup by Cowdoc. We'll see you uh, this week in the three-man. But – you know, betting wise this week. Uh, so after round one, I had to put money on Phil. Uh, I think he, I got him at ten to one. I think he started at twenty-two to one. But you know, after his first round, he was n- near the top of the lead. I was like, I don't think his price is going to go up anymore. It's only going to the odds are only going to get shorter and shorter. And I feel like he can win. So I, I put, I put, I got Phil. But I also put a bunch of money on Paul Casey. Uh, after the first round, who was minus three, and I got him at forty to one, you know, uh, after round one. So again, another yeah. shitty fucking way. I won, <laughs> you know, I won for the week a little bit because of that Phil bet. Uh, but you know, if Casey wins again, everything is it, a big win, you know. So it was just one of those weeks where, yeah, I won, but goddamn it, it was fucking annoying, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sometimes it's a struggle. I know, man. It was it was definitely annoying, but uh, let's move on to this week's tournament. Uh, this was a good one this week, guys. Uh, the Genesis Open from Riviera. You really can't uh, beat the uh, you really can't beat this strength of field here. I mean, really, really strong field. And I'm I'm sort of delaying here because I don't have my article pulled up, so that's why I'm just sort of talking out my ass. Uh, but here we go. So the PGA Tour stays in California this week as golfers descend to L.A the Genesis Open at Riviera Country Club. We finally don't have to worry about these crazy multi-course events, and this field is stacked. Uh, the weather and wind don't look like it'll, uh, you know, the weather could be an issue again this week with rain in the forecast. Lots of soft conditions will make this course a little bit longer. Um, you know, if you're a first-round leader gambler, I would look at morning groups on Thursday due to the Poet Greens being extra bumpy and unpredictable for the afternoon groups. Um, you know, like a couple of tidbits here. There's a strong correlation between this course and Augusta. I think uh, on my Twitter feed, uh, I, I put put in some uh, stats, and I'll, I'll bring that up for you here. Um, I think uh, 19 of the last 30 winners here, they have actually finished inside the top 10 at, Riv- at Augusta prior to their win at Riviera. 19 of the last 30 winners here have a top three at Augusta all time. Uh, 24 of the last 30 winners here have a top 10 at Augusta all time. 28 out of the 30 win- last 30 winners here have a top 20 at Augusta um, all, uh, all time. So lots of correlation between Riviera and Augusta. Usually if you played well at the Masters, you can see with Bubba, uh, Phil's won this a couple of times. You know, you, they're going to have success. Mike Weir's won this a couple of times. And, you know, he won <laughs> at Augusta as well. He actually won back-to-back here uh in the early 2000s um now another small tidbit before we get into the course um every winner here since 2005 has played the course at least three times prior to their victory uh who won last year at tampa do you remember it's 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 out of my mind right now but that's right yeah and so he so he's that this was written last year so he uh he actually falls into that category once again all right so Riviera Country Club is a 7,350-yard par 71 course with four par threes and three par fives. The three par fives are the three easiest holes on the course, and there is also drivable par four. Those three par fives give up about 45% of all the birdies on this course. Last year, it was right at that number. 
So literally almost half of all the birdies that you get at Riviera come on the par fives. You must score on these par fives to have a chance and then grind it out the rest of the way. I mean, Bubba won at what, minus 12 last year. I think he was eight under on the par four or par fives last year, even on the par fours, minus four on the par threes. Uh, I think Dustin Johnson the year before was minus seven on the par fives. You really have to take advantage of these par fives. Now, Riviera is known as one of the best and most challenging courses on tour. Off the tee golfers to see tight fairways, many fairway bunkers, and challenging dog legs, especially to the right side, which should favor right-handed golfers who had a fade or lefties that play a draw. <clears throat> there are trees, but the tree line is usually a good amount away from the fairways, so golfers will have to miss very wildly to have their have trees blocking their approach shots. The fairways and rough use Kikuyu grass. You're going to be hearing a shit ton about this grass uh, this week. This Kikuyu is rare to the United States. and could cause many problems if golfers hit it in the rough, especially if they have little experience with Kikuyu grass. Um, the, the grass is very popular in golf courses in South Africa and Asian countries, so that might be something to look at when selecting your golfers for DraftKings this week. Though the rough won't be too tall, it is somewhat thick. Uh, for the most part, though, hitting it into this rough won't be too big of a deal there, but there will be instances where the Kikuyu rough can grab and bury golf balls, making approach shots much more difficult to control or to get any spin. But with the softer conditions, uh, hitting it in the rough, if it's not that tall and not crazy thick, it will make hitting it in the rough out of the rough a little bit easier because the greens will be a lot more receptive. And there's a lot of rain in the forecast here coming up. Uh, hitting drives farther is definitely an advantage if golfers hit it into the rough. Hitting in short irons out of the Kikuyu rough will make the course a lot easier no matter why. Now, on the flip side, if golfers hit fairways, their golf balls will sit up perfectly because of the spongy nature of Kikuyu grass. But since there is a lot of slope on the fairways, golfers will have to deal with a lot of fade and draw lies. Uh, the greens use Poa, a Poa, Poana. They will be small, fast, uh, around 12 to 12 and a half on the stint meter. Uh, they're usually firm, but probably this week they're not going to be that firm with the rain in the forecast. They're undulating, multi-tiered, and surrounded by bulk, by bunkers and false fronts. The six hole actually has a bunker right in the middle of the green, which is always good entertainment. You know, how pissed off are you going to be when you hit a shot into the middle of the green and it goes in a bunker? <laughs> uh, now, notwithstanding the size of the greens, many people compare this course to Augusta, like I said earlier, and correlations have been made between golfers that perform well at Augusta and golfers that perform well here. Um, I think James Hahn was the only one who didn't have a top 25 uh, at Augusta prior. I think uh, uh, Allenby was a winner here. He might be the only one without a top 20. So those two guys, Allenby and Hahn, only two winners last 30 years without a top 20 at Augusta, uh, you know, at some point in their career. All right, Tambo, what are you looking for this week? Looking for a t looking at a tough field, I can tell you that much, and looking at some tough pricing. But stats wise, um, did a little bit different this week. I went back using Fantasy National, uh, looked at the last three years and well, four years actually, and I brought in like stat by stat to try and see if I could find some differences. And there were a few that stood out to me. So um, the obvious ones are strokes gained approach and birdies are better gained, strokes gained tee to green, all the classics. Um, but bogey avoidance and double bogey avoidance really popped for me this, uh, you know, this week when I was looking back. Uh, and then some specific ranges. So like the par threes, 175 to 200, par fours, 450 to 500, and then putting from 10 to 15 feet. Actually all, when you looked at the leaderboards the last four years, those were like the prominent stats. So I'm going a little bit different this week. Uh, switching it up hasn't really been working what I've been doing lately the, to my liking. So uh, I'm going with a few different stats and, and weighting them a little bit heavier to try and balance it out. Uh, like I said, really tough pricing this week with all the strength of field. And I think that comes into play too with the Augusta chat. You know, it's a, it's a tough field. This is a really tough field. So uh, it is going to be the best of the best that are playing at all times. And it's going to be most likely somebody at the top. Now, the one thing I do notice about this week is with it being so tough and you look at, you know, some of the, the sites that have, you know, top 20 percentages, things like that. Daily Roto has it. And, and you can see a lot of these guys have different win probabilities where they're a lot tighter. You don't really have that outlier like what you would have seen with DJ last week, even though it didn't work out at all for DJ. Normally when you see something like that, it can sort of help you build your lineups around it. This week it's really spaced out and the balanced rosters look like they'll probably be 
uh, popular. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to be lots of guys starting in the middle because there's so many good golfers all the way through. Yeah, this is like one of those tournaments like a few weeks ago where like it's, it, it, it's the field is strong as hell. But like once you get past like, you know, under seventy five hundred dollars, it, it's really the talent level drops tremendously. And you know, that's pretty mm-hmm. much a natural thing. Uh, but it, it's a very top heavy uh, field with all these guys up top that are really, really solid. So I think, you know, balance, you know, and trying to avoid golfers under seventy five hundred dollars in cash uh, is going to be my strategy, and you'll see that play out when I name my cash game cornerstones this week. Uh, the stats you're looking for, I'm right on board with you. Uh, par four efficiency, 450, 500 yards, a ton of those. Uh, I'm also looking at um, proximity from 150 to 175 yards, 175 to 200 yards. The majority of all approach shots are going to be coming from that area. Bogey avoidance, I'm there with you as well. So we're, we're, we're on the same page when it comes to stats and all that good stuff. So let's actually get to the field. So up top here in this 10K range on DraftKings, we have Bryson DeChambeau all the way up to Dustin Johnson. Tambo, who you got? It's tough not to take DJ. Um, but I don't know. Like last week, it didn't look too good. He didn't do what we all thought. Oh, it's Saturday is going to bounce back. No, almost misses the cut. You know, literally looked like he was trying to miss the cut on 18 when he blew the eagle past it was like just enough to make it so that he, he wouldn't uh, have to, it looked like he was doing it so he wouldn't have to stick around for the weekend for Sunday. And he was just done with it, but he was, he put it too close. So he kind of had to, or else it would have looked bad, but uh, it looked like he was trying to blow it. So DJ is the obvious pick up top. Uh, but right out of the gate, that is my first T3PO of the week. I, I love Justin Thomas here. So I definitely can't full fade DJ because the obvious, like I said, he's just too good at this course too good in general. It's hard to, you know, expect him to, to do the same thing last week as he did this week. So, or sorry, this week as what he did last week. So I can't full fade him, but T- Thomas would be a great pivot. If you're starting your lineup, instead of putting DJ in, get Thomas, you know, we know him world-class golfer fits the mold stats across the board. He ranks higher than DJ for me. Uh, and all those stats first in approach, which I think is one of the most important, if not the most important this week. Uh, and then a third 16th and third in his last three events, with four to four made cuts here. Um, so I do like JT quite a bit. Uh, and then the other guys I like in this range are Rom and the, the guy I like a little bit more than Rom are DeChambeau. So the guys that I'm really going to have less of are McElroy and DJ. Uh, Rom's been solid uh, recently. I think it's a course that fits him. And DeChambeau, we know, you know, can go on fire and just torch everybody at any time. So uh, his stats are really lining up well. I think he has uh, some of the best stats here along with JT. So JT and Bryson are my two faves. Yeah, Justin Thomas is my favorite play, just like you. Um, I'm probably going to fade DJ, which is scary as shit. Like, you know, every time you fade Dustin Johnson, you worry. Right. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm only going to play one of these two guys up top, and I'm going to go Justin Thomas uh, because, I, you know, I want to play – and you're right, the stats do line up for him. I guess the big difference for me um, with, with DJ – and uh, JT, JT's been a little bit better around the greens. You're going to need a little bit of around the green play here. A little bit of scrambling is going to be needed here. And uh, DJ's been better from 150 to 175, which is where the you know I think you're getting the most approach shots are going to come from that range, especially with, DJ, with Justin Thomas having a distance off the tee. And uh, JT's been much better than DJ from that range as well. So I, I'm going to go with that for JT on top. I like Rory a lot. This week, I'm going to be playing Rory as well. A uh, wet course, soft course, uh, you know, rainy conditions. That's like Rory McIlroy special. You know what I'm saying? This is like his shit right here. So uh, he's, he's he's played well a couple of top fives uh, recently on you know back to back. I like Rory a lot, and I'm going to be playing Bryson as well. Those are going to be my three plays up top. It's tough between Rom and Bryson. Once again, I'm only going to pick one at this moment in time. I'm going Bryson. Uh, if I somehow, for some reason here, Rom is only going to be projected 10% owned or one of the going to be projected the lowest owned here, and Bryson is going to be projected the highest owned, then it might be worth the switch, you know, because, I mean, it's not like there's too much of a difference uh, in talent between these two guys. So a lot of the that final pick, I think, between Rom and Bryson is going to come down to ownership projection for me, but I do like Bryson overall without ownership involved. Uh, so that's that's the way I'm going with. It. What do you? What's uh, why don't you like Rory this week? Um, it's more just who else is around him. Like I said, if I'm going there, it's 300 bucks more. I get JT, who I absolutely love. And to be honest, the other like 
the two plays here for me are Thomas and DeChambeau. Uh, DeChambeau, I know Rom, like you say, they're close, but I think, again, I don't have the stats in front of me. I don't have that far back, but I, I just think what we saw with DeChambeau last year in um, the FedEx Cup playoffs, like these are those are really strong fields that he can just torch strong fields, whereas Rom normally needs a course that he can overpower or, you know, he, he doesn't do it as often, I don't find, in, in my watching and seeing it, as I just think DeChambeau is just an incredible talent that's already there. And I think we're going to just see him keep going, going, going. And the thing about him and JT are they're the guys that I think are really, it sounds bad saying trying their hardest every week, you would expect that. But, like, if you look at DJ's, you know, sort of, like how he was acting last week and everything about him, it, it really did look like once he got to a point, he just didn't give a shit anymore. And that's fine that everyone has their off week. He doesn't care. He just won in Saudi, just got paid big money to go over there and he can pick up another win anytime. But I find when JT and DeChambeau go out, those guys are going out hard every single week playing to win. So even when they're not winning, they're right up in the mix and you can see it in the results like JT third, 16th, third, 12th, DeChambeau sixth, first, 10th, seventh, 12th. Like, to me, those guys are the ones that I want to be on. I think they're going hard all year, all the time. Rom got gets some of this rough in his head. or I mean, his results show the same across the board, but it, it's just tougher for me when I got DeChambeau right there for a little less. Yeah, some people might worry about Bryson just because this is going to be his first tournament back uh, since what he said in Saudi Arabia, uh, which was, I don't know, whatever. He said what he said. Um, and, um, you know, there, there people are going to be asking him about that. It could be something – that could be, you know, a little bit of an added pressure or added thing that he has to deal with for this tournament. But we've seen this happen before with Bryson. Uh, he had that talk with uh, Mike Tirico at the WGC Bridgestone after his uh, not shaking of the hand last Snuff. year in Europe. Yeah. And then the, the, the practice range at the Open Championship where he went buck wild, uh, you know, screaming, yelling like a little kid. I mean, that's just Bryson. That's what he does. And, um, you know, he came back. He, he shot like 76, I think, in the first round. Uh, of the Bridgestone, but then gradually got better each and every round after that. And then, you know, went on his little streak uh, during the FedEx Cup playoffs just a couple of weeks later. So I- I'm not too worried about that sort of narrative when it comes to Bryson. I think he'll go out and I think he'll play fine. Yeah, and, uh, I'll, and I'll start. I'll, I'll just make one, one last note, but I'll, I'll start some lineups with Bryson because I think he's he can win just as easily as the four guys above him. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I – and I will get, we can, you know, transition right into the Mickelson as the next play. What are you doing with Mickelson and Watson this week, considering Mickelson coming off the win, kind of a short week. It is, but, you know, factually, but it's just, you know, he's there for a little bit and then out. Uh, and then Watson with his history. But, you know, it seems like an off year for Watson, wouldn't it be? Win, 14, win, withdraw, win. Yeah. What, what's it going to be? I, I mean, personally, uh, since I'm playing three people in this 10K range, I'm probably not going to play too many of these guys. I'm probably not going to play Phil, Bubba, or Tiger. And that's just a roster construction thing for me um, because I want to have as much uh, exposure to Bryson and Rory and JT as possible because I think they are the three most likely to win. Um, So I'm going to – I'm not really playing too many of these guys. I don't think Phil, Bubba, or or Bubba is a a bad play, but I will not be playing them uh, this week. Uh, Phil, you know, coming back. Uh, you know, to do what he did back to back at his age, he can do it. But, you know, it seems a little tough for me, for him. Mm-hmm. Bubba, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, and if he's going to be chalk, I'm definitely fading him. Uh, and, and from what it sounds like, he could be chalk because of how, uh, because of his course history. It's it's great here. Um, uh, Tiger's the, 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 the one that I am not sure what I'm going to do with yet. And when it comes to Tiger, what do you think his ownership is going to be? That's the big thing for me. Like, because yeah. he, he does not play well. He has not, this is, he's played this course a shit ton of times, never won, only won, like one runner up. Um, last time he played, he finished in 20th. What are you going to do with Tiger this week? Uh, most likely playing him. And it's because I still think, no matter what, I think Tiger comes in in the 15 to 18 or 15 to 20 range as far as ownership's concerned, just because the way lineup's sort of set up, it looks like that range will be skipped a little bit here. Uh, you just mentioned skipping out on basically all three possibly. I know you said you you didn't commit to it, but like you said, it's, it's sort of not where you're going just based on lineup construction. So for me, I'm going to play a couple more guys in here. But uh, I think Watson's going to be popular no matter what, right? People see three wins in the last five years, decent last time out. Why wouldn't you play him? For me, it's just when he gets too chalky there at that price, uh, 9700 I, I don't like playing Watson when he's that expensive, just like I don't like playing Mickelson when he's up around 10 k either. So – 
Uh, I'll play some Woods. You know, I, I don't think uh, as many people as the norm. And if he's going to be less owned than Watson, then I'm definitely going to play some Woods. The other guy I like here uh, is Hideki Matsuyama. I'm going to ride that, whatever you want to call it. He hasn't done anything, you know, outlandish yet or, or too incredible, but we, we haven't seen as much of him. Like you saw the third, then he followed it up with a 15th. It wasn't, you know, catastrophic or anything. Uh, he's got some decent results here before last year. He had an 11th and a fourth the previous two years. Uh, stats line up for me across the board. Definitely, uh, you know, funny to see the Spieth lovers again back on him. Uh, talking Thursday and then that disappeared quickly. So, uh, I had him for a bet for the week. I liked him for that, but he, he didn't quite get anything else done. And then my guy that I always play is Finau. Um, he did it again last week. I don't have it. I lost it. I had it written down, and I don't know where it is this second, but I saw him still have all the points. As far as DraftKings points go last week, he had up there with guys that were 15, 20 spots ahead of him. He still had as many points as them. Uh, same thing here, a second here last year, stats line up. Hasn't looked good the last couple times out, but – at 9,100, uh, again, another guy that I'm saying you can go – you could have a Bryson Finau lineup out of the game. Have, that, to me, is two guys yeah, can actually win the tournament, and, and you got all the money left to spend. Yeah, I still have a bunch of cap left. I do like that. Yeah. My first two, cash – Two real winners. Yeah. My, I don't know about I don't know if you can call Fino well, a winner. Sorry, you can't call Fino yeah. a winner. But sorry, what I will say, what I will say is he's a DK winner. Yes, yes. And people forget that it's a points game that we're playing. Yes. I don't need Fino to win the tournament for me to have him in the winning lineup. Yes. Uh, now my first cash game cornerstone is going to be in this range. It's actually at the very bottom. It's Patrick Cantley at nine thousand dollars. So I'm starting my cash game lineup with Patrick Cantley. So very very low price. Like I said, I'm going super balanced this week because I want as many golfers over 7,500 as possible. Uh, the way my roster construction has ended, I already made my cash lineup, at least the beta version right now. And all my golfers are over $7,700. Uh, so, so that's the way I'm doing it. They're all jammed in between 7,700 and 9,000. Cantley's my first cash game cornerstone pick. The guy's been having a great season. Uh, top 10 after top 10 after top 10. You know, a really good tee to green. Approach game's good. A really, he's the best in the field in proximity from 150 to 175 yards in the last 50 rounds. And these are, this is a tough field, you know, and he's the best iron player from that range. We're going to see a lot of approach shots from that range. He's actually seventh in bogey avoidance as well. He's got a little bit of length. He's not short. So, you know, being a bit longer with the softer conditions, I don't think it'll hurt him that much. Uh, so I'm a fan of Cantley. He'll be my first cash game cornerstone pick. I do like Finau. I like Xander a lot this week. He's going to be right in between Tiger. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. And Decky and Bubba, you know, they could get lost in that shuffle. And we've seen Xander... The, the, the tournaments that he comes on, uh, comes up on, first off, are no-cut events. But we're not going to think about that. Are going to be deep field events, strong field events. Xander comes to play against all the best in the world. When the best in the world are in the field, Xander comes to play each and every time. So I'm going Xander, uh, probably my favorite GPP play uh, in this 9K range. Uh, you know, and the big thing about Xander is he's been crushing par fives here uh, for the last 50 or so rounds. Third in strokes game par fives in the last 50 rounds in this field. So I'm a huge Xander fan. Now let's get the speed. I think I'm going to roster him again. I know he faded, but you you, you do realize he was 11 under after 49 holes. He had birdied sure. he had birdied almost a third of his holes until he got to what was a 14 or 13 when he snap hooked that um, that drive and it hit the tree and then they couldn't find it and he had way more than three minutes but he didn't penalize him. That's another story. Uh, but the guy was playing really good. The thing is that what what Spieth is missing is the game looks like it's there. It just hasn't been there for four days yet. It's going to happen. 
This is Spieth. It's going. It, the game has improved. It's not like he was, you know, when I went on my spiel a few weeks ago, he hadn't shown me anything, you know. And But the last couple of times he's been out, he's been showing me. And in this past round, 11 under after 49 holes, 48 holes, birdieing a third of his holes to that point in time. And then he gets those two doubles, basically ruins that round, and he just couldn't make up for it on Sunday. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Jordan. I think he's slowly getting better. There's going to be a tournament where yeah, the game works for all four rounds. It might not be this week. Uh, you know, he, he's only he said before that he doesn't have the patience for this course yet, and he has to treat it more like Augusta. He said that before last year, and he finished ninth last year. Um, so, I mean, solid finish by him last year. I, I'm going to roster him. I think he's slowly getting to the point where at the Masters, we're really going to have to pay attention to Jordan Spieth. Uh, not just because of his, you know, his, his course history there, the way he's played there, but because of the fact that he's been improving, he's been getting better week by week, and sort of like a, you know, he's gearing up for Augusta. And so I, I'm going to roster Jordan. I don't think I want to roster a lot of them. Uh, I don't think he's going to be that popular. Uh, I think you'll get him sub 15%. So you don't need much to be over the field average. Uh, but I am going to roster speed. I love this bottom half of the range. I think I'm going to roster everybody from Xander all the way down to Cantley uh, at some point in time. And that fits well with, you know, me starting with the three guys up top. I can go those two and then, you know, one 6K guy and fill it out with the other 7K guys. You know, so it gives me flexibility. Also, if I don't decide, if I use Bryson and one of these guys down here, uh, that gives me a lot of cap room. I can use another 8K guy, 7K guy, and do it that way as well. So, um, I, I, I'm one, one last thing there with speed, I got to say, because this is just driving me crazy, but I don't just want to ever be done with a guy because I can't stand it. I don't think Speed's career is over or anything like that. I think it's fine. He'll get it back at some point here. But from a DFS perspective, this was last week with Casey and Reavy. Right, you know, Casey was ninety one hundred, Reevee was nine thousand. To me, even in the end, it ended up coming out that everyone did adapt. Finally, it started off the, the week with Reevee was going to be the most popular. Casey flipped, you know, and ended up being like five percent more owned. But he should be. It was Casey right there over Reevee, and I know Reevee didn't have a horrible week, but I think Casey beat him by almost forty DK points. Finau is right here at ninety one hundred. Beat Jordan here last year has been just as good or better lately, scores more DK points. Spieth could come in third, and Finau could come in ninth, and Finau's probably got him outscored. For me, it's the same sort of situation. Spieth hasn't found anything, if you ask me, besides one or two rounds here and there. One round on the north course, then nothing on the south. And then last week, he found the beginning of the rounds. Yeah, he started strong, but then it all faded. At the end of the day, Finau beat him here last year, and Spieth has actually went 45th before a 35th. I'm, so he hasn't really got better in his last two. It just happens to be. It seems like it. Comparing Casey and Reevy to Finau and Spieth is no, 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 no. I, 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 a career no, track. No, oh, no, no, but, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I'm going to DFS perspective. Gonna, DFS perspective. I don't care that Spieth got through majors. Yeah. I don't care about that. I'm going to roster playing Spieth. I'm rostering Finau. I'm going to have more Finau than Spieth. So don't get me wrong. Yeah, as am I. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to have more Finau than Spieth. Uh, but. I'm going to roster Spieth. He, 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 he's, he's going to get better. The game, from what I've seen, is improved. He just can't get four days in yet. And it's been more. Like, he, you're right. He had the one round at the uh, – at the um, one good round at the uh, Farmers. He had North two course. and a half good rounds, you know, here, you know, uh, last week at, at Pebble, you know. And, and, then, and then he sort of faded at the end. And blew up. The next time, maybe three rounds, maybe three and a half rounds. It's going to happen. The game is trending right for Spieth, in my opinion, and he's gearing towards Augusta. I'm going to roster him. All right, so let's move on to this 8K range. And I'm going to go first because, like, the rest of my cash game cornerstones are in this 8K okay. range. So my, my second cash game cornerstone is going to be Tommy Ladd. Tommy Fleetwood here um, at $8,600. The thing about Tommy is this guy is going to win at some point in time. The way he's playing, the way his game is, he's one of the few that, you know, rare things where he, last season he was top 50 in driving distance and top 50 in driving accuracy. I think that'll be helpful this week. Um, you know, you know his approach game is strong. He's great around the greens. And, you know, it's not like Tommy's a young guy. He's been around for a while. 
But the big thing about him the last couple of years is his work with uh, Putting Guru. I forget his name. Phil Kenyon might be his name. This guy is a guy who worked with Molinari last year. Uh, now, overall, Molinari, it, it was a better putting year, but that one stretch in the summer, uh, like that one-month stretch, I mean, Molinari was one of the hottest putters in the game. That's going to happen for Tommy here soon. The thing about Another thing I like about Tommy Fleetwood, in this field, in the last 50 rounds, he's first in strokes game par fives. He's third in DraftKings points in the last 50 rounds in this field. So he dominate those par fives. You know, he's fourth in birdie or better game in this field. So, you know, get those birdies. Uh, I like Tommy uh, a lot this week. I'm going to bet Tommy. We'll go over that in the betting segment. Uh, he's my second cash game cornerstone pick. My third cash game cornerstone pick right below him, Matt Kuchar at $8,500. Kuch, the thing about Kuch that I like a lot, that accurate cut off of off the, off the tee with his driver, it's deadly. The guy is just automatic with that almost nowadays. Uh, it's become so easy for him. And his driving distance has actually picked up a little bit. Uh, I think he's like 200, averaging around 295, 296 yards drive. Uh, he's like top 100 in driving distance on tour this year. Top 10 in driving accuracy uh, this year on tour. And he's been crushing par fives lately. That's one of the big parts of his game that has been improved from last year. And that's why you see him getting these wins. Because you got to you got to dominate these par fives. That's where the scoring comes on the PGA Tour. If you don't, you're a leg behind. And one of the reasons why Kuchar has been getting better is because his, his par five scoring has been really, really good here this season. Uh, also, bogey avoidance, you know, very, very strong. Third in bogey avoidance in the last 50 rounds. That's a good combo to have this week at uh, Riviera. Good, good par five scoring, bogey avoidance. You know, you bury the par fives. And then you 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 pour out the rest. You're probably going to win. You're probably going to win. You know what I'm saying? So that yeah. that's that. So I, I I'm looking at that. He's strong in both of those. So I like Kucher as my third cast game cornerstone pick, and my final cast game cornerstone pick right below him once again. Cam Smith, the Aussie, at eighty four hundred dollars. All this guy is doing is top twenty five after top twenty five after top twenty five. Uh, the guy's been playing extraordinarily well. He's been playing. Played well at this course. Good history. Uh, the big thing about him is, um, you know, Aussies have always fared pretty well here at this course, along with my people, Koreans. And we'll go into that here in a little bit. But, like, recently, in the last 12 shot link rounds, Cam Smith is third in strokes gain approach. But he's also 10th in strokes gain putting. <laughs> pretty fucking good combo right there. Fourth in DK points. Fourth in birdie or better gain. Eighth in opportunity to gain. Top 10 in par 4 efficiency from 450 to 500 yards. So I really like Cam. So there we go. Pretty easy stuff right there. My cash game cornerstones this week are going to be uh, Patrick Kentley at $9,000. Tommy Fleetwood at $8,600. Matt Kuchar at $8,500. Cam Smith at $8,400. Leaves you over $15,000. So you got those four golfers in your lineup, and you still got 15k to play with. Uh, so that uh, that's what I'm going with in cash. That's what I like this week. Uh, other guys in this range, those are my three favorites. But I also do like um, who was it? Brandon Grace, the, the two South Africans at the bottom. Um, like I said, they should be used to the Kakuya grass um, here. Uh, Brandon Grace has really, really been crushing par fives. He's actually first in the field in par five scoring in the last 12 rounds. Uh, here, so he's been doing really well uh, on par fives. Louis has been having a good season. Wherever he's playing, he's been dishing out top ten after top ten after top twenty. Uh, so I do like those two South Africans at the bottom. Who do you like this week, Tambo? A lot of guys you mentioned. A lot of guys in this range. Just hit a couple. Then uh, Fleetwood and Cam Smith are my two favorites uh, in there. But uh, my second T3PO comes in this range, and it's between those South Africans you mentioned at the bottom, but. Like you said, Louis has been having a great season. Um, I just norm I, I've never fared well with Louis Chalk, and it seems like that's the path we're going to be on really? this week. Uh, are I mean, he's being up? talked up. People, people, people are betting him. People are talking him up. Is his bed on the way? Got to check the shipping label on his mattress, of course. But yeah, no, he's been on fire. But Louis Chalk doesn't do it for me. Um, if somehow Grace is going to be extremely more owned when it gets down to later in the week, right now checking fan share tags and that sort of thing is 
not really much point to it. We're sort of kicking the week off with some of the other guys. So, um, but for me, Grace, like you just meant, everything you just mentioned about him, uh, he, he's right there, hundred bucks more. I think he'll be less owned. He's made the cut this two times he's played here, done well. He's been decent lately. Um, I, I like him for a hundred bucks more than than Louis. And again, I don't even know if it's going to be that much of an ownership gap. I might just not play any Louis. Uh, just because it never seems to go my way with Louis Chalk, besides the fact that he's been doing so well this season. Um, like I said, I gotta I gotta like Grace for what I've seen from him lately. Yeah, Grace has been looking good. Um, so let's move on to this seven K range this week. I'll start off. One of my favorites this week is going to be uh, Kevin. Make him say uh na 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 na. He's one of my favorites Jeez. this week. I do. I'm a fan of him. His stats don't line up, but you can't really uh, do what he's done at this course and not pay attention. Um, so the guy just loves this course, and the Korean narrative here is fucking real. Uh, uh, you, <laughs> you need to rock the Korean this week. I will tell you that right now. I'm not just saying that just because, you know, I love Korean people. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of correlation. A lot of Koreans have played well here recently. Like I, I wrote some stat. I'm looking it up on Twitter right now. I think something like 21 top 20s uh, in the last 10 years for Koreans uh, in this, at this tournament, 21 top twenties. There's not that many Koreans, you know, playing. <laughs> you know? And, and a lot yeah. of them was, it was not, a lot of them was KJ Choi, but still Sung Moon Bay, uh, Sung Kang, uh, a couple of other Koreans, uh, James Han won here, uh, you know, so, um, you know, the Korean narrative is real. There's going to last four years. There's been at least one Korean in the top five. The last four years. So the Korean narrative is real. I do like Kevin Na this week for that. Um, I, Adam Hadwin's probably one of my favorite cash plays in this range. Uh, another guy who dominates this course. And the big thing that I've noticed about Adam Hadwin, at least here recently, in the last, uh, I'd say, in the last 50 rounds, he's fifth in strokes gained par five in this field. Adam Hadwin, fifth in this field. Not a small sample size, 50 rounds. Uh, you know, that's that's like 12 events, 15 events, depending on how many cuts he made. And so, right. uh, you know, fifth in strokes game, par five, top 15 in bogey avoidance. Like I said, I love that combo this week. That combo is something that I will be focusing on. Strokes, uh, par five scoring, bogey avoidance. They're good on both. I'm probably going to roster them. Uh, but even better, if you look recently, you're like, oh, it must be because of what he's done in the past. Last 12 rounds, he's second in the field in strokes gain par five. Uh, so I'm a fan of Adam Hadwin. Uh, I do like Rafa Cabrera Bello uh, right there uh, at this at this range. He's been making a ton of birdies, lots of bogeys, but he's making a ton of birdies, which is great for DraftKings st- scoring. I want to roster Sung JM. I'm worried about playing six weeks in a row, but the one thing I can't say is the only Korean that has ever won this event was James Hahn. And he was on his sixth week in a row. Now, that means absolutely nothing. Don't pay attention to that shit. I just think it's cool. So I'm probably going to – I might have a little bit of Sung J.M. With his miscut and with all the you know the weeks that he's playing, I, I, I'm thinking maybe single-digit owned. Might be for the first time. So I'll be on him. Uh, I also do like the guys at 7,600 as well. Um all three. I'll be playing all three. Laird, Champ, and Kokrak. I really like Kokrak a lot uh, this week. He missed last week, but you know, in, in, he's been uh, you know a top twenty-five machine here recently. Been playing extraordinarily well. He's top ten in the field in proximity from one hundred fifty to one hundred seventy-five yards uh, in this field. He's eighth. Uh, so I do like Kokrak a lot this week. I'll be playing Champ. I think his length will be helpful. Um, you know, he's gonna. He, he's had like something like. 50 drives over 320 yards this season or some crazy shit like that. I think that will play to his advantage, especially on a wet course. Go ahead there, Tam. I got some more down below, but go ahead. Who you like up top? Yeah, I feel almost like talking through this with you today that this almost feels like uh, we talked about, you, you know, the Augusta thing you found. It feels like heritage, right? With Kucher, Grace, Kevin Na, Kokrak. These are all guys that show up at RBC Heritage. So well, here, wonder... well, here's the thing about that. That's not a bad correlation because the thing about this course is even though it's long, it's a strategic course still. Like when you pound that driver, and that's another reason sort of going back to Rom, uh, why I sort of like Bryson better than Rom. Rom is just a guy, he said it before, he just wants to hit it as far as he can out there 
and then play where the ball is. Well, that's all well and good. But the thing about this course is there's a little bit more strategy involved, like an RBC Heritage, like a Sawgrass at the players, where you have to hit it, your drive. If you're going to miss, you can miss in certain spots and still be okay. But if you miss on the wrong side on the drive, you, it's going to be very, very difficult. So I like that's why that strategy, that's why it works. Uh, I can understand yeah. your correlation for that. Go, go ahead. Yeah, so some of the main plays. So RCB you just talked about, um, he's like Finau light. When I get him at 7,800, I love him uh, because what you talked about with his scoring, DK points, birdie or better, that pretty much lines up everywhere, and he's actually been playing really well lately. So uh, he can make some of those bogeys. I know he's not a, he's not popping as much when it comes down to that category with the bogey points, but it's not like he's terrible. Like in the last 36 rounds, uh, he's still up there in sort of the top 30 range as far as double bogeys and bogeys. So uh, he's not going to kill you, I don't think. And if he makes the cut, obviously the scoring that he put pours in um, is solid. Had when you talked about, I think that'll go uh, overlooked regardless of the fact that both of us are talking about it. Like you said, stats wise dialed in four for four cuts here with a sixth last year, 34th before, and then he had a 16th and a 22nd. And I think he's a much better golfer now. Uh, that putter solid looks good again. He's always been a good putter. So uh, he lines up for me here as well. Coke rack, you nailed him. That That's the guy I'm on. Uh, I think he'll get popular, but I think in, in a sense at 7,600, uh, he can possibly be good chalk. I, I'd rather play him, uh, you know, where I feel like he just lines up across the board. He did have a, he did withdraw there last week, but uh, maybe that's just to get fresh for this week. So uh, Kevin Na was another one I had. And then if you drop down, I know this is sort of where you're waiting to go. So I'll just bang a few out. Um, but I do like uh, Bud Collie. I do like uh, Luke List. Upside, 7,400 sits there. I love Keegan Bradley at 7,300. Uh, and then the one guy down below there is another one uh, just popped for me is Danny Willett. I'm not sure how aggressive I'll get with that. And Bradley's the same price. So I probably won't have too much Willett, but I don't know if he popped for you. He popped a little bit for me across. Um, and he's had a few good results lately, you know, obviously last couple times out with a win there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just not a, Who do you got? I'm not really a Willett guy. Um, I do like Bud Colley a lot. And I think Bud Colley will make a great pivot from the two Koreans right underneath uh, at 7,400, Sung Kang and Siwoo Kim. Who I think could be popular as hell this week, and I'm going to roster. I think Kang's going to be popular yeah, for sure I, 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 too. Yeah. I'm going to roster him because you know they're Korean. Uh, but you know, but yeah. if you're looking for a pivot, I think Bud Colley is a strong one. Uh, he's been really good around the greens here lately. Been crushing par fives. Been putting well. So I do like uh, I do like him a lot this week. Uh, I'm I like Keegan as well, just like you. Uh, I'm going to give Abraham Answer another chance. Uh, this week, like I said, I'm always going to be on him. Uh, you know, he's pretty accurate off the tee. Top five in par four efficiency from 400 to 500 yards in the last 50 rounds. Coming off the back of uh, two missed cuts in a row, you could get him at, I'd say, 5% or less. So, you know, it's not that much risk if you don't want to go too overboard on him. Uh, I'll probably have him at the minimum that I usually have. My GPP player, which is 10% owned, I think he's going to be falling into that category uh, this week. And I do like uh, JT Poston. At 7,100, uh, he's just been a top 25, top 30 cut-making machine. Uh, top 20 here last year. He's been having a really good season. He's top 15 in par 4 efficiency from 450 to 500 yards as, as well in this range. Um, and I do like uh, Harold Varner III, uh, another guy. Like Varner and Answer are just two guys that I just play every week. It's just the way it goes. And Varner, I think, can work out. He's long enough here. Uh, surprisingly, he's top 15 in bogey avoidance as well. Really good proximity stats from 150 to 175 yards. So I do like Harold Varner as well. Why don't you move on to the 6K range here, Tambo? Who do you like? Yeah, I forgot because he's right at 7,000. You just mentioned my my third, and then I'll recap him. But my third T3PO is going to be – I'm going to be on Harold Varner. Love his game. Love what he's been doing lately. Uh, again, like you said, he actually pops in quite a few of the stats that I'm on this week. And I, and I just think he's – rounding a corner a little bit. He's not playing too many events. He's just sort of here and there, and he's getting it done when he comes out to play. So uh, the guy that I'm up against, and again, this is early in the week, and I always like to bring one of my teacher girls down low just to, to give people an idea on who I like in the bottom range. But I still think uh, we'll see some Neiman ownership as the week goes on just because he's only 7,000. People always seem to like a cheap Neiman. And for me, I'm just taking Varner as the better golfer, uh, lately, uh, just all around, really, for, for everything I've seen, some experience here, 
Uh, three out of four cuts made just at this course alone. So I got Harold Werner there. Uh, so to recap them quick, first one's going to be JT over DJ. Uh, the second one is going to be Grace over Louis O. And the third one is going to be Werner over Neiman. And I mean, there's other guys in there. I'm not really playing. I'm not getting on Ollie, Schwartzel, Gay. I'm not chasing that. Like uh, none of these guys I'm really feeling too good about. So if any of those pop up popular, still happy to be on Werner there. Uh, going down into the 6K range, one of my favorite plays right out of the gate is Harkins. Um, only played here once last year. He did make the cut. Um, solid, you know, as far as 6800 bucks goes, he's getting the job done. Uh, makes quite a few cuts in general. Stats are popping for me. Uh, he's actually been a good DK scorer as of late. So, you know, talking about some of those guys, the Finau I mentioned, RCB, Harkins, these are the guys that are putting up points sort of regardless. Even if he finishes in 31st, he still might have as many points as the guy in 21st or something like that. So uh, I'm good with him. Uh, and then going down from there, Danny Lee is one guy that I like. So at 6,700, then it sort of drops off. I'm not really too high on any of these guys. The only other guy I'll mention at the bottom for a cheap, cheap guy is Carlos Ortiz at 6,300. And really, it's uh, he hasn't played here the last couple of years, but he has played here twice before, and he made the cut both times with the 26th and the 20th. Uh, again, hasn't been doing anything too crazy lately, but the big reason for him was I looked at a lot of the stuff um, on Josh Culp's site there, uh, Future of Fantasy. I like to use that for sort of the – the specialist stuff and the people that are in versus, you know, strong fields, hard fairway courses, all that. He actually does pop up quite high as a specialist in a lot of those ones. And it's random things like that, that I look for that just make a pop at 6,300. I'm not going to go crazy with him. Uh, but besides him, the only other guy really is just above him. I still like Sam Ryder. Uh, I still play him all the time. And at 6,400, him and Shank are both in there. That's maybe a couple just to round it out. Yeah. On the bottom side, I do like a, uh... Ryder, I do like Ortiz. Uh, I'll probably play Julian Edelaine as well. The guy's just been making cut after cut, and I think he's around 6,300 as well. So those three guys I like down low. Uh, up top, one guy sort of piques my curiosity, and I think I'm going to be really light on him. I might even break my rule and go under 10% on him because his course history is just horrid. Uh, but Hudson Swafford at $6,900. The thing about him is what's been popping for him, for me, is – um, in the last 12 rounds, he's top 10 in par 4 efficiency from 450 to 500, proximity from 150 to 175, and proximity from 175 to 200. Now, it's a smaller sample size. It's only the last 12 rounds. Can he keep it up? Maybe. Uh, maybe not. But you're going to get him at like sub 2%. You know what I'm saying? So right. it's not like yeah. it's that much of a risk. He's not going to be owned at all. His course history is horrible. I think he's missed four straight cuts in a row. Uh, so this one's sort of the anti-course history pick right here. Um, and so I, I like Hudson a little bit. I'm not going to go crazy with him, uh, but, you know, sort of a, a very, very low owned guy who might pop and do well or, or, you know, shit the bed. I mean, it's 50, it's 50, probably the odds are he's going to shoot the bed more, but I think the upside is possibly there. You've seen him have some little peaks this year where he's had good rounds or he's been playing well. So I'm going to go Swafford at 6,900. Um, I do like uh, James Hahn, of course, Korean 6,800. Got to play him, former winner, crushes this course. Form really never matters with James Hahn. This dude just comes out of nowhere and can just pop out. Uh, so I do like James Hahn. Uh, Chris Stroud, been putting out of his mind here lately. Really strong finish last week. Um, third in bogey avoidance here in the last uh, 12 or so rounds, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in the last 12 rounds, he's been, you know, been really good, been a little bit more consistent, uh, which is what we're looking for uh, in these lower uh, price golfers. I do like your Harkins pick. I'm going back to Ernie Els once again. Another guy, good from the ranges that I want, uh, iron-wise, uh, avoids bogeys. I'll be back on him. Uh, there was one more guy who – oh, Jonathan Vegas um, is another guy who I like a lot at this course. He's got two or three top 15s here throughout his career. He's definitely long enough off the tee. Um, you know, he's seventh in strokes gain off the tee. Uh, in the last 12 rounds, he's been doing well. But he's actually, if I'm not mistaken, he's top 10 in bogey avoidance in the last 50 rounds as well. So I am a fan of Vegas um, this week, and that's probably going to do it for me. Uh, anybody else that we missed? No, I'll talk about him in the betting segment. DK missed Max Homa. And, right, so uh, let, let, why, don't you, why don't you lead us into the betting segment there, Tambo? 
Sure. Betting, betting segment sponsored by BetQL. BetQL.co is the website. Uh, go on there. You can download the app for uh, Apple. You can download for so through iTunes, through App Store, Android app. Uh, essentially looking at it from perspective of being able to track your bets and, and see what's going on with them. So uh, things like value bets where you can sort of see all the top value bets of the day. Uh, you know, money line, totals, spreads, all different factors and, and ways to look at it. You can see the line movement. So you can see how the line's gone throughout the day, where the money's coming in uh, to help you make your decision that way. Uh, and then the other thing they have is the public betting trends. Uh, so just see sort of who the public's on. And then obviously in that case, you can track that line movement to see if there's anything like reverse line movement or what direction it's going. Because if the money's moving the line, then maybe it's a good bet to roll it that way. And you got to sort of take some other factors into it. Uh, yeah, with that said, uh, man, I don't got a lot of bets this week. The one thing I got is, uh, so I got two long shots and then one main. Um, Max Homo I talked about, so he snuck in when Scott Piercy decided to uh, three-jack in the dark there and ended up getting uh, Max Homa and uh, Michael the Goat Thompson in, who I talked about last week, and he actually had a decent week. I didn't play enough of them, but uh, I guess Michael Thompson was going to get in anyway because he was the first alternate, so it was likely he was getting in either way. But uh, for Homa to get in, that was pretty cool. This is a hometown event for him. One thing I will say is when you go on the DraftKings app and go looking for him and type in H-O-M-A, it brings up Justin Thomas. So maybe that's a sign that JT is going to get this done this week. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Max Homa, I got him at uh, – I might be late to the party. I don't know. I just – I've been busy with this uh, – Training I'm doing for real life work all day today. I got a new job there. So 351 to 1 for Max Homa. So I took it on the each way. Uh, I took it pretty big. I want to see him try and do something here. It'd be exciting. Maybe he won't because he just sort of did his thing last week. But, hey, hometown event, maybe he gets it done uh, and, and finishes in the top five. I also – I didn't talk about him in DFS. Uh, probably still a good play there because he's still cheap. But Keith Mitchell, um, 251 to 1. Not really the setup for him, but uh, I like chasing him when he's at the big odds like that. He keeps falling down the board. It's just a guy that I've always liked and followed along with. But my main bet of the week, so when all my money is on, as of now, may add a couple plays as the week go on. If I do, I'll let you know. But um, Tony Finau, 31-1, to badgered your boy Spieth. I'm going to say he's your boy now because of how much you love him. And, uh, yeah, I got I got Finau at 31. Again, I might have missed the original opener on him, but at 31-1, to Second here last year. God, this guy's got to win at some point. So uh, let, why not here? Let's go with Tony Finau, 31 to 1. I mean, your boy Fowler won a couple weeks ago. It could happen. It can happen. Uh, I, I have sort of a larger card this week. Uh, I'm actually going to start up top, and I don't usually bet favorites very often. Uh, but I'm putting a pretty penny uh, on Justin Thomas at 12 to 1. I just think the way he's been playing, his iron play has just been insane uh, here recently. Um, I, I like the way his game. I think he's a favorite to win in my book over DJ. So I'll take him at the second best odds. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go Justin Thomas at 12 to one. Then I'm going to go three guys at 35 to one, all three of my cash game cornerstone picks uh, at the, um, in the eight K range. So Fleetwood, Kuchar, Cam Smith, all at 35 to one. I'm going to be betting those. And then my long shot's going to be Johnny Vegas at 150 to one this week. So those are going to be my bets. Uh, all right. So let me finish the cigarette. Are we done? <laughs> yeah, I think that's there, it. Yeah. Man. yeah. I think, yeah, I thought this was a great pod. You know, hopefully Tam will go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Good, big stuff coming on your site. Tell them about it. Yeah. Gupscorner.com. Uh, we switched over last week to the premium, uh, super cheap, six ninety nine a month or $69 a year. You can lock that price in now. So uh, the Slack chat has been insane. There's almost 500 people in the Slack chat. So it's, we got to get you in there, Kenny. It's fucking crazy, man. But uh, lots of, lots of good people, you know, it's, it's a good time in there. Everyone's going pretty much all week long and it's sort of the community does the talk and we, we slide in and out as we can throughout the day. But that's a big factor. My articles over there, Tambo's tea time, uh, where I take sort of the three T3POs and write them up a little bit further with more detail on them just so you can dig into them and then add one or two more. Uh, last week when it came late in the week with the Cantlay withdrawal, I added in Phil over Spieth because Spieth was taking on a lot of that ownership. So I nailed Casey over Revy and Phil over Spieth last week. The problem was I had Finau over Day quite large and that didn't work out and Snedeker over RCB and that also didn't work out. So you win some, you lose some. Uh, Twitter at Toteg and Tambo. If you don't have me on there, add me. And other than that, man, just looking forward to this week and hopefully we take something down.
All right, you can find me at PowerHourPod.com. My article's out there. We got a nice little cheat sheet, uh, a customizable spreadsheet, stat spreadsheet. It's always cool stuff, so go check that out. The Slack chat over there is cool as well. I don't think we have 500 members like you guys do at Guffs, but uh, it's pretty it's solid work. Yeah, uh, you know, make sure you check me out on Twitter at KendoVT. Also, if you like the pod, make sure you leave a like and a review. It really helps us out uh, tremendously more than you know. Uh, it keeps up the pod free. Uh, so make sure if you like the pod, or even if you don't, uh, if you have some type of comment that you want to make about the pod, please let us know. Yeah, right, give, us a, give us a top review and then just make the comment terrible. That way we still get the score. There you go. There you go. Good thinking there, Tambo. Good thinking. Yes, exactly. All right, guys. DGen Nation, good luck. Let's win some money. This tournament's going to be great. Yes. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.